Welcome to episode six of the Can We Just Ask podcast. I'm Will. And I'm Annie. And today's episode is the first of our two episodes covering gender inequality. And in this conversation, which we recorded in Vondel CS in Amsterdam, we speak with Milu Dalen, who has been described as a leading voice of a new generation of young feminists. She's an activist and a journalist. She writes for Vice and various other media outlets. And we had a really, really interesting conversation covering slut shaming, street intimidation and the effects that that can have and also what society can do as a whole to actually create change yeah it was a really brilliant conversation we hope you enjoy it but some of the topics that we do cover are sensitive so if you're affected by anything that we talk about please do reach out to somebody for support if you're not sure where to start our charity partner the mix a really really good database of people to talk to and to point you in the right direction So like I said, this is a two-parter on gender inequality and this whole series is in partnership with Tom's and if you want to come to the next conversation, that will be a live panel discussion in the Tom's store in London and you can find tickets on our website, canwedistask.co forward slash live panels. All that money goes to the mixed charity, like Annie just said, and everyone in the room will be part of the conversation. So if you want to be asking questions, making statements and driving the discussion, please do grab your tickets. There's only a few left and we'll hope to see you there. And if you do like what you hear, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could just leave a rating and a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. It makes a huge difference and we're trying to inspire as much change as possible. And to do so, we want as many people as possible tuning in. So that would be very much appreciated. But for now, let's get on with the conversation. This is Can We Just Ask Who's Really in Control of Women's Bodies? The only way you create change is by standing up and campaigning for those things you care for. If we hold ourselves individually to hire a cat, the world would be a better place. For me, communication is, is the key to absolutely everything. How can we all save the world? What it means to be a man or indeed a human. There's no such thing as a stupid question. The Can We Just Ask podcast starts conversations that matter. Milu, how are you? Good, thanks. That's how okay. are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, very good. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. the invitation. <laughs> Pleasure. So, well, I think it would be great if you could introduce yourself, your work, and the sort of stuff that you've been talking about in your work. Yeah, so I'm Milu Dalen. I'm from Amsterdam. I'm 23. And two and a half years ago, I uh, it was the first time I speak out about sexism or feminism. So I'm from Amsterdam, and then I wanted to study. I moved to Groningen, and that's um, like a small student city in the north of Holland. And I was part of a sorority. And then after a week, I think it was already in the first week, I thought, hmm, this is weird. Because people were saying, I I didn't kiss anyone. And everyone was saying, don't kiss with anyone or don't have sex because otherwise you will get a name and you will be a slut. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. I haven't done anything yet. And, And they were telling the boys, have a lot of sex, kiss everyone or everyone, but have a lot of sex, then you will be cool. So I was really confused about it because that was only because I'm a woman. I stayed there for a year and a half and it got worse and worse and because I was having sex like most of the people there. (laughs) And uh, they were like really slut shaming me. The worst moment was that um, a group of guys, they made a song about me. It was a tradition that every year they were singing a song about like the lowest slut of the year. And that Uh. first year it was about me. And I thought it was so humiliating and I was really embarrassed about my own sexuality, what was really weird because it's because it's mine. So after a year and a half, I, I thought, okay, now, okay, stop. I'm gonna speak out 
And then I made a like a small video. I just posted it on Facebook. And in the video, I'm saying, stop slut shaming. My sexuality is mine. Don't make jokes about it. That was like the main mm. focus. And then uh, that went viral, the video. Well, and I didn't expect it at all. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a more like a fuck you to the boys that were slut shaming me. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what was what was in the video? Why, why did it? Why do you think it went viral? Um, yeah, it's you see me in the video with uh, boards. Yeah. yeah, and you see me just standing in Amsterdam in like really crowded publics because then it would be like slut shaming is everywhere, but we don't even see it mm. uh, or we not really conscious of it mm. and on the boards were the the words that they were telling me and and my statements right yeah. so also were on the boards like <laughs> slut and yeah and then um yeah I, I posted it on two and a half years ago on international women's day on the 8th uh-huh. of march yeah it was that was coincidence because i just a week ago was like hmm, i want to do something oh that's great next week it is that's a yeah, good wow. that's a good day oh, so it wasn't it, you didn't put it out and didn't know it was international women's no. day you knew it was you knew it was international women's day no no just the just, week before was looking up an internet uh, what's right. a nice day to post <laughs> oh that's perfect <laughs> and, <it was>. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, i posted it on facebook i was really nervous but i mm. thought hmm, only my facebook friends are gonna see it and if i've like 200 likes that would be like a lot and um and then <laughs> it was the most crazy day of my life because it just got blew up yeah it blew up and wow. uh all the media and all the people and all the people from the sorority and like everyone i, I felt like whole the whole netherlands were like screaming attention yeah. and the, yeah it was crazy is it did, did yeah. it blow up in a positive way or a negative way both okay like uh i, I think everything was said the, I, all the people from the sorority were, I think mm. most of the ones were the guys. Yeah. And they were like, you are a slut. This is your, mm. on the internet, people are saying like the worst things. Mm. People who you don't know, like, um, uh, I want to find you. I want to rape you. I'm going to kill you. I know where uh. you live. Like, I read that that was some of the, re- the, 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 some of the responses you received to that. And it just, we, we were talking about it and can't get our heads around the fact that people feel as though that's an acceptable thing to 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 say whether or not you know someone it's just a it really highlights how crazy the world is that behind a keyboard people have given themselves permission to share such horrific horrific things to you and i'm sorry that that was your experience Mm. but thank you that's okay okay. yeah yeah yeah, exactly that's what i was going to say so now you know now you it's clear to us that you will and have had a very positive impact from what you from your bravery at sharing something like that but when you posted this video you had an intention you wanted to fight back you wanted to reclaim what is rightfully yours I guess and but with all of that response to it how did you feel at the time yeah I was it was such a surprise that I was like really shaky and refreshing and my phone was uh, refreshing Facebook all the time and my phone was I think that day I've been calling like 800 times and all the yeah it was really it was really stressful but at the same time I was also like yes I'm so proud I did it Mm. and yeah, I was really. I felt. I, I think I felt everything, like every emotion. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I immediately, uh, after two hours, I took the train to Amsterdam because I wanted to be here, because all my friends and all the people I know were from the sorority, and they were like, "Hmm, yeah, why did you do that?" And some oh, really? of my good friends said, "Okay, it's really good that you do it, that you're doing this, but 
Mm, yeah, why, why did you uh, mention the, the sorority? Why do you think that would be? What, what, what's in the psyche of not wanting to release the full story or the full details about it? No one talks about it, like what's really happening in a sorority. They don't want to get media attention. It's just they really have to, yeah, we're just with us. And that feeling, this uh, causes like many negative attention from the media because everyone was like, hey, what's happening there? And they didn't want that attention because first I was um, a slut and now I was a slut and the the one who was telling the story to the media. And that's yeah. a worse combination, <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're a woman. It's like, yeah. that's the worst. And uh, so just going back to the sort of crux of the, the thing. So we're talking about slut shaming particularly is what, yeah. is what you're talking about. So for people who might not have experienced it, what is slut shaming? Who is doing it? And then how do we stop it? <laughs> okay, uh, so first question, what is it? Yeah. Uh, I think it's to say to a, a girl or women, you are a slut because of your sexuality, because of your bad partners, because of how, how the way you look. Uh, and I think every girl, every woman experienced it, it because mm. even girls who didn't have sex yet, they would be called a slut. Mm. Yeah. So have, do you know, have you experienced yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think as as we've got a little bit older and into our 20s we've become more aware of what it is um and being able to sort of to name it and identify it but it's something that i know that i will have experienced for many many years like as a teenager and among friendship groups and at university it's definitely something that now we have more of an awareness of of how to identify it yeah. and that it's not i think in, in my personal experience, it was something that was just woven into kind of the fabric of the language and the culture that people were using so readily. And, and as we were growing up as teenagers and as university students, slut shaming was so casually ingrained in the way that women were talked to that I I think that I probably experienced it for a lot of years without ever really realizing that it was inappropriate or wrong and and I think that goes to when I think of that now it goes to show how um, much work at that point we had to do and how much I do think that in our bubble in yeah. certain <laughs> metropolitan cities, we have progressed. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of scary to think how much we were subjected to as young women yeah. and girls without even realizing or identifying it as wrong. Yeah, That to me like blows my mind. Like yeah. all the things that I can think of that people would have said to me or to my friends or the people around me. Um, and that was just acceptable. Yeah, at the time when I when I'm think I'm sorry for you to hear as well that you experienced <laughs> so many years. Yeah. But when I think back about the time uh, when I studied there, that sometimes I felt really bad after sleeping with a guy. Not that I, that I didn't want to sleep with him, but I after in the, in the morning I was like, shit. And now everyone's gonna talk about it, or people are, would say to me, oh, why did he do that? And I. I felt really bad about myself. Mm. And also at that time, I really wanted to wear like sexy clothes or mm. what it mm -hmm. means, but well, that was not accepted at all. Mm. Every time I was wearing a shirt like that, it was, hmm, oh, you wanna, uh, you wanna get attention? Or, yeah, you're uh, asking for that attention. Yeah, yeah. and I, I didn't. And yeah. even if I wanted to get attention, why does that matter? But it was yeah. not my reason to wear it. I, I just wore it because I thought it was nice. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's actually a really good point. It comes down to choice, right? Whether or not I'm choosing to, inverted commas, yeah. looks 
look sexy or you know how I want to dress myself whether or not I want to attract attention is my choice yeah and the challenge is unpicking that from reactions that are and other people putting their reactions and their expectations and their thoughts on you you know it becomes very oppressive yeah um and to make choices that are made purely on the basis of kind of fear of somebody else's reactions or Mm. like a collective reaction feels like we're taking like a million steps backwards well that's what yeah. so uh, the the yeah. book i've just read i don't you might not have read it but there's, there's a woman called caroline criado perez she wrote a book called invisible women and she talks very much about how a lot of the choices women make whether it's where they travel how they dress is based out of fear and that's yeah. fear of what might happen what might someone say and it's usually what might a man say it's almost all, always what might a man say the problem i see from a man's point of view is i i heard in a podcast the other day you don't know it's happening until you literally see it and men don't see it happening because usually if me and Annie were walking down the street it wouldn't happen to Annie because I was with her yeah so I think the problem is it's not it's not necessarily a problem for women to solve because the problem is often coming from men but when men don't know it's happening I grew up in complete naivety because I just didn't experience and I didn't see it but it takes educating men I think as well as educating women yeah. Well, when did you realize? When were? When did you realize it's happening? I can't pinpoint a moment, but actually, more recently, we've sort of witnessed things and and seen more things. I think as soon as your eyes are opened, you you totally get it. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. that's I think that's yeah. it. Actually, when I was saying a moment ago about my experience, sort of as a teenager, until actually somebody identifies it as wrong or as inappropriate or you see it happen to somebody else and you kind of witness it through a different lens so whether or not it's the first experience or Mm. the first experience that is more conscious then it shifts Mm. and then once it has shifted you can't kind of you can't unsee Mm. that and you start to realize how prevalent the issue is Mm. yeah yeah, yeah. Since so, since I speak out, uh, spoke out like two and a half years ago, and I'm uh, diving into feminism, I see everything for my yeah. feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So and I'm like, oh, what is happening here? And what is happening here? And why yeah. are we doing this? And why are we like that? Yeah. yeah. And you start to get more analytical about it. And you're like, right, okay, well, this is happening. I acknowledge this. Yeah. But why? And I think that's probably something that that would be interesting to hear your perspective of. Like, where do you think this slut shaming has come from? Why is it that that women's sexuality is suppressed in a way that's that's meaning that this is quite a social norm, really? I think it has always been this way. Like, sexuality of women, I think it's... uh, It still isn't free. Like we're still aren't free in it and it's never, we're, we were never free. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think, yeah. I don't know if you know, Monica, so Monica Lewinsky was yeah, the, the um, she had an affair with Bill Clinton and there was, she did a TED talk a few years ago. Basically her sexuality was commodified. She talked about, she had to reclaim her own story. Oh, yeah. The fact that women's sexuality is commodified, and that's through you know magazines and, and newspapers and what we see everywhere. Sexuality shouldn't be a thing that someone uses to sell something. No, it should yeah. belong to the woman or the man, yeah, but the, the woman the person, rather than yeah. be a thing that belongs to the public sphere. Yeah. No one might know the answer to this, but yeah. I mean, maybe I should know the answer more than anyone. But <laughs> why do men? do this and it, it, partly I think it's 
societal and partly I think it's because you grow up not realizing that it's wrong and there's but I think in, in gender equality is sort of founded in like a power dynamic equality inequality because men feel like they should have power yeah and I think maybe part of like the cat calling on the streets and the calling someone a slut and maybe like the being intimidating on a street thing comes from the fact that men feel like they have that power and want to assert yeah, that, that that's, power. Yeah, that, that's the way. I think that's all. It's all about power. That men feel that they can talk to women on, in that way, and they can um, cat call them on the street, or they can call them a, a, a slut whenever they whenever they want. I think we're we're so scared of the sexuality of women, or men are scared. Mm. And women as well, I think. I would love to know how the reaction of men and and women differs to your work because I think we're really fortunate and, and I personally feel very fortunate to um, be surrounded by and supported by a lot of men that fully support equality regardless of race, gender, sex, everything. Yeah. Um, but I actually sometimes find that women find it really difficult to unpick some of the language and the conversations that we have as women yeah. and and see fault in some of what we are doing just because that's how we've been brought up. Yeah. Do men and women tend to receive things differently, do you think? So the negative, start with the negative reactions, I think men are saying like really sexism things mm. and women uh, that that's uh, what i told you before the podcast that i'm writing a now i'm writing a mm-hmm. book of how women are judging each other we really we see it as a, a threat if a woman is really free mm-hmm. and i think many women see me as a free woman and that's what i that what i don't like about me um and i think it has to do with yourself Mm. Why does it matter if another woman is free or uh, loves sex? Or w- I think it's all have to do with yourself. Yeah, of mm. not all, but a lot. I, mean, I guess there's, so. There's yeah. a lot of co- there's comparison there's, in that, and, and maybe yeah. envy. Yeah. In, in seeing someone, and maybe it's not envy on, on the sort of surface level, where it's like I want to be exactly like that. But maybe if someone is free and and uh, open with that, it maybe seems like they're more at peace with themselves or at home with themselves yeah. or know themselves. Or that they a bit have more. access to something that you don't have, yeah. which, you know, because not everyone has a different set of circumstances and some people um, are, let's say, more brave than others, but some people just don't necessarily live in a world where they have that permission, where they yeah. can speak out because mm. they are threatened or because they're, you know, mm. there's, yeah. there's a lot of layers to unpick around it and when i was uh, younger and i was less um uh, i was a bit more insecure than i was than i'm now mm. i was way more judgy mm. i i would mm. also say about a, a friend whoa whoa that's slutty mm. i would also say that and now yeah. i'm i'm i feel like i'm in a in a yeah in a good place yeah, that's a bit of cliche right <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. i feel good <laughs> yeah, about myself yeah. Yeah. and i feel free so i'm now i'm way less judgy about other women yeah yeah because I think, why can we just support each other? Yeah, I think yeah. maybe therein lies part of the issue, though. And uh, is it an answer to your question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> As maybe we're quite privileged to be sat here and to be able to talk about this, but then often the problem starts when people are younger, and the problem becomes ingrained when when people are younger because it's it's what you hear it's peer pressure it's so as a as a guy again i think any solution 
needs to not make young boys or young people overcome peer pressure it needs to get yeah. them allow them to get around it because peer pressure is always going to exist so you know if if a group of young boys are saying something that isn't right another boy is probably going to join in rather than like step step out because they maybe haven't got to the, the position where they can realize yeah. that something's wrong yet again no one might know the answer to this this is probably the part of the problem how do we start these conversations happening from a younger age that's the question i think that's a really big question because i i i think we then the conversation starts about talking to what masculinity is mm. and that's a i think that's a really yeah a you should listen to our like, previous two podcasts well, sorry? <laughs> you should listen to the last two yeah. podcasts yeah we i think we learn uh, young boys that you have to be cool yeah i think maybe this is in your last podcast yeah mm. And uh, don't cry, and you should love this, and you should hate this. And if we want to stop that, we should change, like, or we, st- we should start a conversation about these subjects. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right with the masculinity yeah. stuff. Yeah. The, I think it's in the Boy Crisis book that I've read. It says, when only one sex wins, both yeah. sexes lose. And, yeah. that, and that, that can happen both ways, because there's problems with masculinity that affect boys as well as girls. But I think that... The, the fact that genders, all genders are intrinsically linked, the problems that happen with one gender affect another gender yeah. and everything affects everyone as people. So we were saying before, how do we start the conversations earlier? Mm. Um, but I think a big part of the fear or the nervousness around people being involved in these conversations is a lot to do with the language. And I know particularly in my experience, there are a lot of conversations generally that I feel nervous to involve myself in for fear of using the wrong language or whether it's outdated or it's of in you know unintentionally offending somebody or yeah. getting something wrong and I think a big part of um, if we're going to have more conversations at any age it's like giving people permission to make mistakes because if we don't make mistakes yeah. we don't learn from them opening it up and making it more accessible I think is really really key to to making this connect for for a wider group of people. And actually, I do think that's yeah. something that you do really brilliant in your work. It's incredibly difficult to change the opinions and the norms of people that have been living them for 60, 70 years. And actually to be working with young people, opening up these conversations, making them accessible, and also encouraging debate and discussion. So it's not about getting things right or wrong. It's not telling people how it should be, but actually encouraging them to think for themselves Mm. and and critically evaluate the things that we're talking about. Because how you feel about something might be totally different to how I feel about something. And that's okay, but I think sort of that that's part of reclaiming power and independence, right? Is letting yeah. people think for themselves rather than telling them how they should mm. react or respond and to something. I think I really agree because some people, when I uh, started this conversation two years ago with friends, it, it was so normal for for them to just call a woman a slut. They mm. they didn't even were aware of it mm-hmm. so when i started the conversation I, I i didn't say don't call anyone a slut anymore because then they they will feel like attacked or yeah so i was just asking why why do you call her a slut mm. and then maybe it was the first time that someone asked them the question it's a really simple question so mm, yeah. and then we're like yeah because yeah hmm. and then i i saw them like thinking mm-hmm. about their own thoughts yeah. and it really helped I think Definitely. and that's something I think many people are in a position to 
do that. Mm. Because some of my friends are saying, okay, you're a writer and uh, you're in podcast and you're, uh, you, have a, you have platforms to write for, but what can I do? And I'm always saying, mm. now when you're in a, with, with friends and you're having lunch or in a bar and someone is saying to another or about another woman or someone else, so she's really lower, then start a conversation. Yeah. And sometimes that's hard with people you know or people you love because then you're like the, the party pooper. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good, I think everyone can do that. Yeah. 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 I think that sort of hits the nail on the head because you have to meet people where they are. And if someone's not ready or able to or has the ability to write for Vice or, you know, uh, make a podcast or whatever. Yeah. But also some people aren't willing to or happy to and maybe it's not always the right way to just call something out but to ask a question like you just said asking a question is is always a really great way of framing it because it's not suggesting that you know the answer yeah it's suggesting it's just it's allowing people to think differently and it can be something literally as small as like you said because it yeah you would what what is the answer to if someone calls if a girl calls their friend a slut what is the answer to what do you mean by that because there isn't one no, <laughs> yeah. It's just because yeah. it's part of like a lexicon of, and actually, if you think about the word "slut," it's become feminized and sexualized in itself. That word and that language, and no one actually really knows why they're using it. It's just because it's part of their language. I'm actually, I'm interested to know. So before, maybe before the sorority and and all of that stuff happened, what was the what was the first thing that made you aware of gender inequality in your life? I, I think I know a moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was 11. And I wanted to play um, football or soccer. Mm-hmm. And I want to, all my friends, uh, I was 11, yeah. And uh, they were on the boys club. And I wanted to be part of that club. And there was also a women's club, but it was further away. And I had a lot of boyfriends and they were playing at the club. And then at first I couldn't because I was the only girl at the whole club. And then people were saying to me, no, you can't do that. And I was like, why Why can't, why can't I? Mm-hmm. What, what, what is... What, well, why not? We were 11. <laughs> not if you are 23, the body is changing. Yeah, yeah. I, I got that. But when I was 11, I was just a girl and the boys were also 11. And then I had so many conversations with people who were judging me be- because of that. And then I was part of the boys club and I had a great time. You got it. You got into the boys I got club. In, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I was the first girl or at that moment I was the first girl. Yeah. Club. And that was the, the first time I, I've known maybe yeah. when I was younger, of course, four and I have to play with that and mm. not with that. But mm. I think, yeah, then it was the first time I was really aware. Mm. And then I played for two or three years, I think. I don't really remember. And mm-hmm. then I started to be, um, I, I got breasts and I, you got in puberty. Mm-hmm. And then the, my my team was like really supportive. But then we were always playing to another guys. And they were saying to me, oh, you have a girl in your team. <laughs> and then I really felt That's that so I was crazy. a girl. Yeah. And I did, before I was not really aware of just one of the yeah. team i was just one of the team mm. yeah yeah i think a lot of it comes down to language and the way that we associate different language with well men and women but earlier on very young boys and girls and the impact that that can then have on the behaviors that we praise things like that i think are super interesting to start unpicking because mm. you realize how far back yeah it's it all goes. from the beginning yeah, yeah. <laughs> well if, and from again this is what the book invisible women talks about is how um society was basically built by and for men initially because women were we're talking about a long time ago so oppressed and didn't have the roles in society that they have now and so again like i said as a man because everything is set up for me to succeed yeah. technically for my privilege of being a male you don't realize 
that that's the case until you actively choose to look it's shit that that has to be the case yeah it's it's shit that it has to be thrust in front of you until you realize what's happening but that's kind of the society that we live in yeah and so if we have to if that's how we have to do it then that's kind of how we have to solve it because again until more men realize that this stuff is happening then i don't think it's going to change because also the way men act is what's perpetuating the problem and many men aren't like even think about their privilege mm. yeah. you think about it so that's the that's a great first step or mm. i think you're further than the first step. <laughs> i don't know i think so but i when i sometimes i'm when i talk to men like yeah but you're really pli- privileged because you're a man first mm-hmm. step you're why you're hetero and they're like huh, no 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 I, because no no what what a bullshit mm-hmm. and that they, they aren't even aware of their privilege yeah and mm. i think that's the first step to mm-hmm. awareness to awareness mm-hmm. well that's the, the tricky th- the, the tricky thing yeah. we have though is we again as someone who, th- who i think i've acknowledged my privilege but there's there's some people who disagree with that And they might listen to this and think, well, there's three people sat in the room who are on one side of the argument and there is another side of the argument. And I'm not saying I'm on this side of the argument, but there's there's people like Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you know Jordan Peterson, but he talks very much about how men are actually also struggling. And that is categorically true. You know, prisons are full. 90 percent of prisons are made up of men. Most men are killing themselves more than women. All of that stuff is, is categorically true, but it doesn't mean that the privilege doesn't exist. Then, no, no, I really agree with that, that feminism is also like um, a freedom theory for men because yeah. the statistics about um, suicide a men is really high, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not surprising when the society says to the young boy, okay, don't cry, don't talk about your emotions. Mm-hmm. It's not really surprising that if you're getting older and you you're every like you female uh, part of you has to be kicked out because otherwise you're a pussy or you're gay or yeah yeah and part of the danger i feel with these conversations and again i don't quite know where i'm going with this but is is that we we isolate some men and it's part, it's part of the rhetoric really is that men feel isolate, isolated by the feminist movement and really men should be within the feminist movement but it it is true that some men will feel isolated or unable to take part in the conversation and i don't quite know what the solution to that is there's a lot of men who disagree and so how do we involve them in the conversation without them feeling like they're being isolated yes i think you're before we answer i think it's a really valid point that ultimately any movement that it's about freedom and permission and choice whether that is for whoever that is for involves so many more people than just those that are immediately affected so you know to so in order to actually create change we all need to be on the same team mm-hmm. right yeah but how do we give men the same permission as women and Mm -hmm. and this kind of comes to the heart of the issue how do we overcome where observing where we are now how do we move beyond that yeah that's that's a good question question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, i i think many men or people women as well think that feminism is about pro-women or anti-men and for me that's not true Mm -hmm. i love men many Mm -hmm. men yeah that's that's like the first 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 step but Mm. i like it when men are asking questions Mm to me like what what can i do or uh if i have the feeling that men are asking me things or listening to me i 
I really like that because then maybe an example is the Me Too movement. Mm. Yeah. And guys, my friends, like they were asking to me, huh, whoa, is this really happening? Mm. And that was a great start of a conversation because I, I could tell them that, yeah, 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 because this is happening and this and this and this. And then they were like really aware of the problem. And I think that was a great opener. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, that's true. but it's it's true. And having conversations and involving everybody in the conversation. Yeah. So not saying like, you know, this is our conversation and it, you, not yours. It's like, be curious, mm-hmm. ask questions about it and be, it kind of comes back actually what I said a little bit earlier about letting people make mistakes. So like ask questions and think about yeah. it and, and, you know, rather than being frustrated that someone doesn't necessarily get it straight away, using experiences and stories to share things and encourage people to look at it from new perspectives, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I guess is is a really positive place to start. And and actually, I think that's why you sharing so openly your, your story and, and movements like Me Too are so powerful because they really help people to connect on a human level yeah. to what is really yeah. going on. It's very, it's one thing to read a book that says, this is how many instances of gender-based violence are happening or this but it's just a stat until you hear a story and you know Will said earlier about how you might walk down the street and until you see something you're not aware of it happening kind of happens I think when we when we read stuff we don't really connect on a human level to it until we have that experience now rather than waiting until you have that experience personally how can we learn from the experiences of other people and share that and encourage people to learn from that so that we kind of live these experiences together and kind of and and can move forwards with that more human connection i always hate that oh no not hate but i don't like the example wait until it is your sister or your mother mm-hmm. yeah because mm-hmm. i don't think, wait no because, no no, no. <laughs> or, or think about it when it's your mother or sister but i think okay but also think about other women then yeah so, just think about people yeah, yeah, yeah. just talk about other uh, yeah but i but sometimes that works mm. that that example think about if it would be and then they were like oh okay okay but mm-hmm. i'm not really a fan of it but it, sometimes it works yeah well that's, yeah. yeah there's there's yeah. there's statistics to show that um women will happily read a book about men's issues but significantly less men would read a book about women's issues yeah. or feminism and and, and and that's not a blanket statement I, I, there absolutely are men who will read books about that but the majority it won't get it'll go one way rather than the other so i think like you say journalism and it, social media is a great thing that yeah. we can use and a tool that we can use and i actually think is making a difference like with me too it, it makes a difference because we can share stories and, and personal stories and we haven't got a huge amount of time left but i want to talk yeah. about the fact that you so you recently sat in a van with people outside an abortion clinic who yeah. are trying to stop people having an abortion did you break through to them at all? Did you, when you were talking to them, or did you, could you see it from their side? How did that work? I think it was really good that we had a conversation. We, I think we almost totally disagree with each other, yeah. but there was respect for each other. So in, uh, no, not only in Holland, of course, but the pro-life movement, mm-hmm. they're um, like, they're against abortion in every phase. Yeah. In Holland, they're... Um, on, in front of abortion clinics, there are activists who are they 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 are from the pro life movement. Yeah, and so there is a bus who's riding through Holland. Yeah, you, I I don't believe it. <laughs> and they're waiting in front of the clinics. Yeah, the, the bus says that, or the people from the pro life say they they're not speaking to the women. But I don't think that's true. I think yeah. they're really going to the women. Mm-hmm. 
And they're saying, come into the bus. And then you're in a bus. And they're, Which a really, is intimidating, I feel. I would feel when, and you already made the decision because you're, you're going yeah, and you yeah. have a, yeah. uh, uh, your own uh, doctor. And you're like, I, I can imagine that you're really like, yeah, yeah, like nervous or uh, so much emotion oh tied God, up. So much it. emotion. And then someone you don't know, they're, they're coming to you and they're taking you into the bus and they're going to convince you. The, the people of the bus say it's not convincing, but we, I, yeah. I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. And then they're saying you should don't do it because it's murder. Which is uh, but such I, I don't know this because I haven't been one of the women and I've been into the bus, but many stories are saying this. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're really Christian, yeah. the, the, the people of the movement. Yeah. And they're saying it's murder. And yeah, I think that's really, really awful. Yeah. It's like emo it's emotional abuse. Yeah. And, and to, to play with somebody else's emotion and headspace in such a vulnerable space. And it's, it's not professional help that because no. there is professional help because you're going to an abortion club. There is a uh, professional. Yeah. They're just 10 meters away. Yeah, religion. Just, yeah. 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 And so I had a conversation in the bus with the. Like the the boss of the mm. of the bus <laughs> or of the movement <laughs> or about a institute the bus boss yeah yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and I thought it, yeah it was a really good conversation yeah but yeah we we so totally disagree with each other I, I'm for abortion he's against it yeah yeah and I I'm thinking women can decide this is of, the of their own body this is the thing and yeah. he said yeah yeah women can and I said no because you th you you don't think they they yeah. can well it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a, yeah. again it's a power dynamic you might think that abortion is wrong and then a, a, yeah, that's a, a, okay. another woman yeah. might think abortion is right but to go and exert your power and use powerful words and manipulative words like murder yeah when that's your opinion and, and it's sit somewhere in a bus, which is quite an intimidating thing. That's the difference, is that it's it's exerting power upon a woman's body, on a woman, on, on everything that's happening to convince her of your point, yeah. as opposed to having a civil discussion. Yeah, that's the difference, because if you would be against abortion and you would get pregnant, I would never say, do an abortion yeah. or, or don't do it. It's your choice, but pushing your opinion about other women as mm -hmm. a man yeah i think that's mm. so weird yeah mm. totally weird yeah it's oh it's awful and i think if we see who are leading or uh, having the debate or make the decisions about uh, abortion contraceptive overpopulation all about these subjects mm -hmm. it's all men it's all men white men <laughs> and who, who are really powerful yeah and that's it's yeah they always make the com conversation to the handmaid's still Mm. You know the the handmaid's yeah, tale, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I think we should be really scared of that, yeah, because it's not too far. Okay, that's a series, but it's not too <laughs> far away. Yeah. Men who are making decision of the women of bo uh, the body of women. Yeah, well, it's, it happens. It's, that's happening in in the world right now. In some places, men are making. It's getting decisions. bigger. The movement yeah. in yeah. Holland and in America. It's yeah. yeah, you see it in all the states in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, part of your campaign is that street harassment was made illegal. In 2017, in in Holland or in Amsterdam, I think. Yeah, only in Amsterdam, in Amsterdam and in Rotterdam, I think. But actually, since then, there's not been any prosecutions. No, maybe one maybe in like Rotterdam, one. but not in Amsterdam. Yeah, I think. Yeah. The fact that it's not making a difference shows that it's not black and white. Sexual harassment, sexual assault, intimidation on the street, it still happens, yeah. and it's maybe have been has been made illegal here, but it's not changed anything. No. I think is the fact that it's not a black and white issue, that there's no actual definition. Do you think that's a problem in itself? And like maybe you th you feel like your story isn't worth telling because it's not as bad as someone else's? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a really a problem. And I think m many women have really like internalized that, oh, it's only this. Oh, it's yeah. only there. He's owing. He's only saying this or this. So I think that's a really, really a problem. Mm. I, I, I had once, um, I, yeah, I will tell it like really short, two years ago, worked in a bar mm. and I was wearing a skirt and somebody made a picture under my skirt. So like the so upskirting, perfect. yeah, so awful. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go to the police because I was like, oh no, that's not a thing, right? And now I'm like, well, what, that is a thing. Yeah. 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 Because I was thinking, oh no, no, it, oh, it's, not, it's not that big. Yeah. So just oh, okay, I felt really intimidated, but I make made it really smaller. So that's a problem, I think. Yeah, that's why it's so good to to talk and share stories. Yeah. And yeah, and I think you're right. The quantifying, the quantifying thing is, uh, you know, what what one person goes through in any part of their life isn't made any lesser or or worse by comparing it to somebody else it's like everybody's experience is a valid experience and as an individual to trust that it's significant regardless of how significant it is when you compare it to what happened to somebody else yeah so i feel like we could talk all day about so many different threads of this conversation but we've only got the studio for a certain amount of time <laughs> so let's finish on a final question who's really in control of women's bodies i think if we're uh, talking about actually what i just said mm. about who's taking the decisions about contraceptive abortion if we're talking about that conversation i think i think men mm. mm -hmm. if we're walking down the streets men are saying things to us and if I'm having this, the slut chambers, most of them are men. So I, all, all the stories are leading to, me, to men, my, my stories. So mm -hmm. I would say men. And so I guess in terms of trying to look forward and be kind of progressive and inspire change, how do we, how do we go about that? Maybe it's what you were saying earlier about unpicking masculinity and, and looking at this not as a women's issue, but as a societal issue that involves very much men and women. Yeah, I think so. I agree. <laughs> I think uh, just to add to that, I think making or allowing men the tools and the stories to be aware of the fact that what they do impacts women through whether that's through fear through choices of what they wear through choices of where they walk through choices of how they get home men don't realize and it takes a long time for men to realize that that is happening constantly i might maybe, yeah. maybe it isn't but i feel like that's happening constantly in women's lives mm, definitely and in that way men are controlling what women do and i think allowing men the like i say the tools to realize that they do they are impacting that is yeah. really mm -hmm. important and sometimes you can't even blame the men because they're being raised like yeah mm. do this or do that so yeah but what we can do is is shift that yeah of course and <laughs> and we you know our generation or you know generation below have so much power and so much excitement for change that it's inspiring to to sit with someone like you and and people in this space who have platforms to share and to share other people's stories as well but also everybody has their own ability to impact on a big or a small level and actually these conversations that we have around the dinner table or sitting in a you know 
sitting with friends or in a bar they are all a very big part of the movement and making sure that these conversations mm. are kind of opened up because until mm. we have that we end up stuck where we are and and these conversations i think are the, are the key really to, yeah. to opening it up and yeah yeah i agree beautiful <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening we really hope you enjoyed the conversation if you did you can subscribe to the podcast rate it review it share it with your friends and if you are affected by anything that we talked about today please do reach out to the mix our charity partner they're a really really good place to find support if you'd like to join us for the second part of the conversation we'll be in london on the 30th of october and tickets are available at canwejustask.co forward slash live panels we hope to see you there